Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 27. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, but and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening, and he was perplexed, because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. Herod said, John, I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done, and he took them and withdrew and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two two fish unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so, had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and, and said a blessing over them. And he broke the loaves, gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say, Elijah. And others, that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, The Christ of God. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. And follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it, a prof, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and, and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me in my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, Jennifer. <laughs> we are, we're in the, and you know, this is just, Jesus is like, his ministry is blowing up. Yes. And, you know, we're, we're kind of in the crazy territory. Herod is hearing about Jesus. Uh, I love in the ESV, that heading is, 
Herod is perplexed by Jesus. <laughs> right? Uh, so I love that. He's just like, what the heck? Right. Um, like, I these people are saying it's John the Baptist, but I killed him. So like, what's going on? Exactly. And so, you know, just to, I don't really want to camp out here unless you do, Jennifer. You, ha- you have total veto power right now. <laughs> oh, okay. But I, I am not feeling like mega compelled to camp out on Jesus sending out the 12 apostles. Other than, you know, like, I think that that's very important. And the mm-hmm. master plan of evangelism actually like classic book. Yeah. Uh, it it uses that passage in a very unique way, kind of talking about how Jesus, you know, he's he's creating this like strategy mm-hmm. uh, for building a ministry out of which the church will grow. Yeah. So we see that. And uh, also his willingness. I just say like the highlight, his willingness to use these people who literally oh my just, gosh. I mean, he knows I just how think, dumb they are. Yeah. And yeah. that God is so like, okay with like process. I mean, this is actually really good for us to think about like sanctification and yeah. like what we need to be. I mean, it tags onto what we said yesterday. Totally. Like you just need to have been blind and now you see, and you know that it's yeah. Christ or like lost, you know, deliver. We have what we need. We have the spirit of God. We have his word. We have our story. It's like, Yes. Go out there and do it. Yes. God trusts us with this. It's like what? Yeah, Crazy. it's it's so true. And um, you know, I, I do think that there is like a um Thomas and I talk about all the time just like how ironic it is that God trusted the church to the men. Because it's right. like um, you know, he like the Lord uh, he embraces the mess that mm. uh, of humanity. And yes. so um that's definitely compelling. But you know, pressing on, um we have this fascinating episode. There's there's some funny dialogue here that <laughs> right. I was trying to kind of play into uh, where, you know, the apostles, like Jesus, it, it reminds me of like, you know, the the wisdom of men is like foolishness to God mm-hmm. and the foolishness of God, or sorry, the wisdom of God is foolishness to men. Yeah. And so um, they just like are totally not on the same page as Jesus. And they're like, hey, are we going to go buy food for all these people? Like, mm-hmm. Um, and which would have been impossible. And then Jesus feeds the 5,000 men, not counting, uh, wives and children and everything. And so very, uh, you know, famous Hallmark story. And then followed by just another one where, uh, Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, and and this is where we really begin to see some some clarity growing mm-hmm. in the the apostles like they they realize like this they're not following a prophet around they're right. not following a a guru around they're following the the messiah of god right so this that's massive then jesus foretells his death and then this is so interesting you know we talk about this passage take up your cross and follow me mm-hmm. And it's easy to like think about that in like a post-crucifixion way, but Jesus is actually saying this pre-crucifixion. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to think about the implications of like Jesus saying this. And, uh, you know, Jesus is kind of saying like in our modern language, like take up your noose, like, mm-hmm. take up your, your electric chair or mm-hmm. what have you, and, and follow me. Mm-hmm. And so it would have just had this like massive shock value yeah. and, and mystery around it. So, I'm done <laughs> blabbering through everything we just read. I know. Where do we go? Where do uh, we go? Yeah, let's yeah. let's dive in. Let, let's talk about yeah. the the five thousand. Yeah. Well, I think well, maybe one way to like um, think about this, all of these passages together, is just that Jesus' ministry is definitely coming to a um, you know a climax here. Like, there's a lot of tensions. Just the fact that it's gone all the way up to Herod, you know, the ruler, the Jewish ruler over this. 
um, particular area, he, um, you know, he's asking the questions, who is this? And then we see that Peter declares who it is. And so this feeding of the 5,000 is actually a really beautiful picture and way of declaring that Jesus is the promised Messiah. And I think it's like they're in Bethsaida. So this is the northern part of the Sea of Galilee, like Jews living among Gentiles. But we can assume that this um, crowd is primarily Jewish. Mm -hmm. And just even the whole like sitting them down in the grass, like to me, it really conjures this kind of like the shepherd, the like Isaiah, you know, like he's going to feed them the wine and then death will be on the menu basically. And Isaiah, you know, he's going to swallow up death, which is interesting when we think about the end of this, these verses that we just read, Mm. like what the Messiah actually has to do to like usher in this kingdom, this beautiful place where people are fed, they're provided for, um, the Messiah has, they're satisfied. Um, it, it has this just really beautiful, like this is the man promised by God. And it also kind of um, looks forward to the marriage supper of the lamb, mm-hmm. you know, where there's this culmination um, and consummation of this promise um, when Christ returns. So I see all kinds of Messiah all over this like feeding of the 5,000. And it's interesting that he started with the Jews. And then we know in another passage that he goes back to that area that we talked about with the um, the demoniac from uh, the Mm Gerasenes. And we know that that was primarily a Gentile area because, you know, they're raising pigs there for heaven's sake. I mean, this is not, (laughs) they're not Jews raising pigs in this time. Um, And it's, so he's gonna it's like Baptist broom beer, right? Exactly. <laughs> we're but we're seeing Jesus like ushering in this kingdom that it's for the Jews and for the Gentiles. Like this is the whole world mm-hmm. is being, you know, that the Savior is for the whole world. Um, mm-hmm. So it's interesting seeing this sandwiched in between the Gerasenes and then like later or the demoniac, and then later we'll see Jesus go back and and feed the four thousand yeah. Gentiles. Well. You know, I, I think there's some massive foreshadowing here as well that we can't miss. You know, Jesus takes bread and, and mm. gives thanks and mm-hmm. breaks it mm-hmm. for people. Right. That, uh, you know, especially I really hope if you come to Christ's cabinet regularly that that rings a bell. Yes, <laughs> because, exactly. Uh, we do that a lot. Like, but it's not this passage has been quoted, but it's, of course, the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so there's this, you know, Jesus, he he takes this limited provision and, and he blesses it and breaks it. And out of this one meal, many are fed mm-hmm. and, uh, and I, satisfied. I just, yep. I and satisfied. Yeah. And there's, there's, you know, leftovers. leftovers. Yeah. And, uh, which I think is such a funny, like, note, like, and it's a great note, but you know, when Jesus ultimately takes bread with his disciples for his last meal and, and mm-hmm. breaks it, you know, it's symbolic that out of this one act of sacrifice, mm-hmm. many will be saved. And so I, I think that, you know, this is really where the story in Luke, like it's starting to pick up. Yeah. And we're starting to see, you know, and Jesus straight up foretells his death in this passage we read yes, today. Exactly. And so we're, and he, you know, there's the take up your cross. So we're starting to get some mad hints towards Calvary. Right. And, uh, and so, we, we can't miss that. And, you know, and we just see like Jesus control, you know, I, I just love the passage where, where Jesus says, you know, 
Um, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my mm-hmm. own accord. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus was not doing his thing. And then, you know, all of a sudden tragically was like unjustly killed against right. his will. But he, he knew the mission that he was on and, and he, he knew where he was headed. Right. And, you know, the gospel writers make this like so eminently clear uh, because that it, it bolsters the authority of Christ that he right. came to lay down his life of his own accord. Yeah. And this would have been like, so, I mean, I think he's also pushing against, like we see the disciples, um, even the people closest to him, but for sure, like the Pharisees and all the people like thinking that this kingdom of God would be ushered in, in this moment. And it would have like, yeah. kind of be like a political kingdom and like Christ would take the throne and overthrow yeah. the Romans. And I mean, you can yeah. see that they're always like wrestling with that. And, and you know, and that, Basically, they got that idea all through the Old Testament. It's just their reading of it, but not putting the suffering servant together with the conquering king. And so I think you see that here as well, like Christ saying that there is uh, suffering and death that will have to happen before. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And that this is God is ushering in a kingdom unlike anything that we could have ever imagined. And yet it's so much more glorious. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um well, do you have any other thoughts or? Um, I think that's a good place. There we that's go. a lot Let's to chew on. on. That's a lot know, to chew on. I know. On. There's always. Well, I mean, more... I guess there is this thing about at the end. I mean, it's kind of sobering to think there. So, so whoever um, is ashamed of me and my words of him, will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, and in the glory of the Father um, and of the holy angels, and just kind of like how Jesus often does over and over, just like that. This does demand a response. Yeah. This isn't a, just a story, and it really is about being completely identified with him. I mean, we yeah. don't, you know, when there's something that we want to identify with, like Jason always talks about, you like your favorite team, you know, like you're not ashamed to talk about it, and you want to be associated with them because mm-hmm. you went to school there mm-hmm. and all that, you know, kind of college um, ball kind of <laughs> we idea. Lo- we but there's all kinds of things that we're not ashamed to, yeah. ide- like we want, because we want to be identified with it, and that's totally. what this is, like total identity with Christ. Um and it's a really important thing to consider. Who do you say that Jesus is? Yeah. And, you know, I, I think this is a great cliffhanger to end on. There's this really weird verse that people will actually use to try to undermine the the uh, trustworthiness of Scripture. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So was Jesus saying uh, that, you know, the rapture and the end times would happen while this generation was still alive. Mm-hmm. Well, no. And I I really firmly believe, and you know, I've heard Dee's uh, preach this, and, and but I think that this is really clear in the text that he's pointing forward to actually the very, you know, opening story of tomorrow's passage. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus, he, he's talking about this kingdom. And, and then, you know, he, he says that there, there are few here who, who are about to see the kingdom of God. And uh, and so tomorrow's story is very fascinating and elusive, yes. um, but has massive implications. And so we'll see you tomorrow when we look at it. Um, so for Jennifer McClish, this is Will Carlisle. We'll see you tomorrow on our daily rhythm as we look at the transfiguration of Christ. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. 
If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.